0: Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis, I'm Gil Gross, and it is time for a preview of the 2023 US Open, the last major of the year, my home slam, there's nothing in the world more exciting than this as far as I'm concerned. Now because this is a major, there may be some new viewers, so let me start by explaining how we do things around here. I will go quarter by quarter, I will give you a dark horse, which is who I believe is the unseeded player most likely to make a deep run. An upset alert, which is the seeded player, who I think is most likely to lose in the first couple rounds, a popcorn matchup, an early popcorn matchup, which is either a first or a second round match that you shouldn't miss for the world. I don't care what's going on. Unless there's blood or fire, you should watch it. And then I will make a quarterfinal prediction, which is, of course, who I think will make the semis. And then at the end, we'll talk about the final weekend and what might go down uh, towards the end of the event on semifinal Friday and final Sunday. All right. I don't have much of a preamble here. Uh, bounced back in terms of predictions in, in Cincinnati after a brutal Toronto got the f- champion right, got the final right, got a dark horse in the semis. Uh, So hopefully we can uh, keep that going. I'm expecting the same conditions as we've seen recently at the US Open. It is on the quicker side. And it's not going to be too hot. It doesn't look like. The conditions should be Pretty comfortable, so I don't think conditioning will be as as big a deal as maybe it could be some years at the US Open when it is sweltering hot. That is not what the forecast is indicating. And yeah, that's about all I have off the top here. Let's get into this uh, quarter by quarter. Carlos Alcaraz is the number one seed. He is joined by Yannick Sinner, Alexander Zverev, Cam Nori, Grigor Dimitrov, Talon Greek Spore, Dan Evans, and Tomás Martín Echeverry. My dark horse here is Tanasi Kokonakis. My upset alert is Cam Nori. My early popcorn is Sinner versus Hoffman in round one. I was pretty torn here on dark horse. I considered Nishioka because he's made the fourth round at two slams this year. Sometimes it can be pretty exhausting to play him in a best of five set match. I considered Vavrinka and Murray because of who both of those two are. I think relatively positive 2023s for both of them. Hopefully, Andy's abdominal has healed. But I I just wanted to target kind of the softer part of this quarter for my dark horse. If you look at the 16th under Alcaraz's section, which has Griegspor and Nori as the two seeded players, I feel like that's the the area of opportunity, because the bottom half of this quarter is kind of stacked. And in this softer part, I considered Shevchenko, but he had a uh, retirement in Winston-Salem. So I ended up going with Kokonakis. He's 25 and 13 on hard courts this year across all levels. He qualified for both Masters 1000s. The talent is there for him to go on a mini run. He just needs to stay healthy and stay positive. I watched and I actually called his match against uh, Hercoc in Cincinnati. And I thought he had a really good chance to win that match if he didn't get so negative with the chair umpire. And uh, there was also seemingly a bit of a right pectoral issue, which I've seen pop up a few points uh, this year. Kokonakis has, has kind of favored that region and, and he's had surgery on it. So I don't know what's going on there. But uh, I think if he's healthy... And he can stay in a positive headspace. He's playing really good ball at at times this year. He's winning a lot of matches uh, in in general. Now, sometimes it's been qualies and not main draw or challengers. But uh, I I think Kokonakis is kind of due for for some sort of a run. Uh, He did do well at Roland Garros. He did make the third round there. Uh, Upset alert, Cam Nori. This one isn't so complicated. Went 0-3 in the hard court swing, it seems like he just needs a reset. At some point, hopefully, he'll, he'll turn it around. I'm sure he will. But right now, he's just making mistakes that he never makes at his best. And he doesn't get all that much help with the draw. Again, Shevchenko, he's, he's a really good young player. And, as long as he's healthy, again, retired at, in, in his Winston-Salem match. So I don't know what his status is, but that's not an easy first round. And then I have him going up against Kokonakis in the second round or a qualifier. And a qualifier who won a first round match, that's a guy who's on a four match win streak. That's never easy either. So tough draw, tough form. Cam Norris, my upset alert. Popcorn match. Uh Yannick Hoffman taking on Yannick Center in round one. Hoffman has cooled off as of late. He was red hot over the course of the Clay Court season. And he even had a a big uh big tournament in the lead in to Wimbledon. His record against top twenty opponents in the last year is five and four. That is pretty astonishing for a player who has I don't think he's ever been top 50 unless he broke into the top 50 very, very recently. So he's been really dangerous to really good players. And Sinner, he played too many long matches at the U.S. Open last year, including his first round match against Daniel Altmaier, another uh, another dangerous German player who's uh, kind of been a little bit underranked at times, in my opinion. So this is... A somewhat difficult first round for Sinner. I think it could get interesting. Obviously, Yannick should win it, but I'll have my eyes on it. Let us get to the quarterfinal prediction in Carlos Alcaraz's quarter. This is a strong quarter. It's got three of my five top power-ranked players. And ultimately, I have Carlos Alcaraz defeating Alexander Zverev. As I get to kind of my big picture thoughts in this quarter, I do want to say, big picture, I saw a lot of bad takes, in my opinion, on this quarter. I saw a lot of Carlos Alcaraz got a bad draw. I don't see it that way at all. Yes, this quarter is the most top-heavy quarter of of any of them, meaning I think the best players in this quarter are the best players in any quarter. Again, three out of my top five. But the only guy who got unlucky here is Yannick Sinner. Yannick Sinner is the number six seed. And in my opinion, he's going to have to play the fifth best player in the tournament. Again, according to, to form and U.S. Open history, best of five history, all that, right? Just taking it into account. Uh, You can watch my power rankings if you didn't see that, and you can hear my logic for why Zverev came in at number five. He's the sixth seed and is going to have to play the fifth best player in the fourth round. That's unlucky. Uh, For Carlos Alcaraz, he doesn't need to play Zverev and Sinner. He has to play Zverev or Sinner, and... I actually think it's going to end up being Zverev. Obviously, that'd be ideal for Alcaraz. He's had a rough go against Yannick Sinner. I think that there are real reasons for that uh, stylistically. But I also think that Alexander Zverev is a bad matchup for Sinner. Zverev leads the head-to-head 3-1. to uh, But this is more about my intuition about how they play versus looking at their head-to-head for evidence. It's just that Zverev absorbs pace really well. He he doesn't get rushed easily. And I think you have to to bring a little bit more than relentless uh, baseline power uh, to take on Zverev. I think he handles that very well. And sometimes we just see Yannick Center hit a wall against some of those uh, really excellent pace-absorbing opponents again, Zverev is also just playing well, so so I think that Zverev's a bad matchup for Sinner. I also think that Sinner, uh, or sorry, Alcaraz is a pretty bad matchup for Zverev, which is not something that has been you know in the ether. I think because Zverev has a, a pretty famous victory over Alcaraz at Roland Garros last year, uh, but to me, that was a little bit of a an outlier in my opinion, and I don't think uh, Alcaraz was playing with a lot of consistency whatsoever at that time, Zverev doesn't take time away all that well. He's very prone to drop shots. He's prone to getting passive in big moments, which is a horrible habit against Alcaraz in particular. And Carlitos has crushed Zverev twice at Zverev's best tournament, Madrid. That is literally his favorite conditions. He said it many times in the entire calendar. There's no conditions for Zverev that are more ideal than Madrid. And Alcaraz has beaten the brakes off of him twice. So I think that Roland Garros match, as that as their head to head is gonna play out, will end up being the outlier. And the last thing before I wrap things up, uh Sinner, for Sinner, it's not just the Zverev matchup. And it's not just Hoffman, who I highlighted as a tough first round. He's got no gimmies. He he really got a tough draw. I have his path as Hoffman, Sinego. I'm a little bit unsure about his third round. Echeverry, Nishioka, Vavrinka could be any of those guys. And then Zverev. So look, if Sinner if has an off day, an off match, I, I think he will pay the price for that. Uh, which is uh, sometimes a tough position to be in. His draw just... Is, uh, is very difficult. And Alcaraz, you know, getting Dominic Kepfer, uh, Lloyd Harris, I have Jordan Thompson in the third round, not Dan Evans, uh, Kokonakis in the fourth round, and then Zverev in the quarters. Th- that's not that's not a bad draw. So I, I think on paper, people have kind of misread this for Alcaraz as well. Let's go on to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. He's the number three seed. Andre Rublev, Karen Hachinov, Alex Minaur, Hubert Hurkacz, Nicholas Jari, Borna Chorich, and Hugo Umber join Daniil Medvedev as seeded players in this quarter. My dark horse here, I got two of them. It is Max Purcell and Matteo Berrettini. I absolutely love this quarter for entertainment purposes, first of all. It is a treasure trove of interesting matches. I'll I'll talk about that when I get to the popcorn, but uh, I'll talk about Purcell first. Max Purcell uh, was, was adamant that he is not a double specialist. He's had a chip on his shoulder because I think he's been labeled as a double specialist and not really supported with wild cards. Uh, even by Tennis Australia, like like he's wanted to be, and he's kind of proven everybody wrong. He's won at least three matches at his last three events. He's had top 30 wins in each of those. He plays Chris O'Connell in the first round. O'Connell has kind of hit a rough patch, but he is a pretty good player, fellow Aussie. And then he plays Daniil Medvedev in the second round, and he's probably going to serve and volley against Medvedev. And we know that, you know, Daniil can be bothered by that. Matteo Berrettini is also a dark horse. I was so impressed with Berrettini at Wimbledon. He hasn't really reinforced his form. In fact, I've been a little bit too high on him in the last couple of events. But I'm going to double-triple down on Berrettini, mostly because he's always better in majors, especially in the hardcourt majors. There's a big difference between how he's performed at the U.S. Open and the Australian Open, where uh, he's got a handful of, of semifinals between the two of them. Whereas best-of-three on hardcourt, he's been very, very average. I favor him against Hugo Umbert in the first round. Bear is, uh, I believe, the 29th seed. But uh, Hugo has some issues getting returns in play against big servers. So I think Berrettini going to have a lot of success serving against him. And then in the third round, he could match up against Andre Rublev. And he's played Rublev really, really well historically. Andre can have some trouble dealing with the backhand slice and Rublev can also have trouble dealing with the big servers. I think it's uh, a good opportunity for Berrettini to perhaps make some noise here. And uh, it brings me to my upset alert, which is Rublev, who who got hammered, hammered with the draw. Um, His section is stacked. Roussevori in the first round who just beat him. I thought Emil kind of went toe to toe with uh, Rublev, especially on the backhand side, and actually kind of out rublev Rublev. He he just overpowered him a little bit. Monfils, or a qualifier, in the second round, uh, Gale has looked really good. That's a pretty difficult second-round match. Berrettini in the third round, if he gets through that, Hubie in the fourth round. And, and Andre Rublev comes in without form. He's on a three-match losing streak all with losses to players outside the top 50. Popcorn. Second round bonanza. Second round bonanza. I have my draw right here. All I'm going to do is read you all of the second round matches that I have projected in this quarter. I'm going to read you every single one. Medvedev Purcell, Nishikori Chorich, uh, Jari Mickelson, that's the worst one. Lyovich Dimonor. Karen Hachinnov, John Isner, Isner, this is his last tournament before he retires. Jack Draper against Turkoch, Berrettini against Schwartzman, and Monfis versus Rublev. I mean, come on now, how good is that? That's a lot of good matches. Quarterfinal prediction. OK, I I tried to did did I not did I not feel OK, the slide technical difficulties. I'll have to verbal it quarterfinal prediction. That's really weird that that happened. I could have sworn that I typed it in. Uh, Hurkacz defeats Daniil Medvedev in the quarters. That is my prediction. Uh, I will start by talking about Medvedev. A lot of tough matchups for him. We talked about that. With, with Medvedev coming in, uh, where it's not that I'm concerned about Daniil and the form. I think he might turn around, but there's always a thing with Medvedev where you look at certain matchups and you know that they could be troublesome matchups. This is, this is what I'm seeing here. Purcell, uh, third round, maybe not as much of a problem. Chorich, maybe a qualifier. Uh, Demon, fourth—or— uh, yeah, Demon in the fourth round, Hubie in the quarterfinal. And what you see here in Purcell and Demonor and Herkoc are great net rushers who can take away his defense. Medvedev has lost his last two matches against both Demonor and Herkoc. So if you're Medvedev, uh, you're hoping for in the quarters, either Rublev or Berrettini. That would be a lot more favorable. But, uh, I think Herkoc is going to be the guy waiting for Medvedev in the quarterfinals if Daniil gets that far. I thought about picking Herkoc to uh the semis in Cincy, but the stats scared me. The stats totally scared me off. He was two and five in Cincinnati. He was two and five against Tsitsipas. So I'm like, eh, I'm gonna pick him to beat Titi Pass in Cincinnati. That seems wrong. Uh, but but I should have. I should have done it. I'm gonna double down and, or no, I'm not gonna double down. I'm gonna learn from my mistake. I'm 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 a buyer. I'm bought into her form. The forehand has looked a lot better than me to me. He's hitting it harder. He's hitting it better. He's playing with a little bit more emotion, which has helped him. And he's been more clutch this year compared to last. Last year, he couldn't win a deciding set tie break. He struggled in tie breaks in general. And that was a massive issue for her because he's going to play a lot of tie breaks. And this year, I feel like he's coming through those moments a lot more. He doesn't have an exceptional record in tiebreaks, but uh, but he's been good enough. And I think with the confidence, the fact that he's been pretty clutch, the fact that the forehand looks better, and he's 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 used his athleticism pretty well on on the hard courts. He's a very good mover on hard courts. I'm I'm in on Harkocz. I've bought into Harkocz, and. I think the draw looks pretty good for him. Uh, Karen Hatchinov is his seed and Hatchie just hasn't played in a, in a long time. He's had injury issues, so he's returning. Who knows what kind of form he's going to be in. Could be Isner as well. Could be John. I have Baratini in the fourth round. Cause I have Mateo over Rublev and, uh, and then I have Medvedev. So this is a fascinating quarter. I think there's going to be so many great matches. It's my favorite quarter from an entertainment um, standpoint. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Oh, there we are. There's the slide. I just had to, I guess, go. I had to hit the button again. Hercoc defeats Medvedev. There you go. You can screenshot it. You can share it with all your friends now because we fixed it. All right, we're halfway there. But before we go to the next quarter, I want to tell you about our partner AG1. It's the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. About a month ago, I started drinking AG1 every day, and it has me feeling so much better about my health. And a lot of that is because I know that I don't always get what I need in my diet. And today is actually a pretty good example. For lunch, I made an egg salad sandwich. Egg salad, two pieces of bread, there's no veggies, there's not a lot of nutrients there. It's delicious and it's not unhealthy. But I just know that with AG1, I'm rounding out my diet and getting all of the the things in the fruits and the vegetables and the organics and the natural stuff that sometimes I'm missing in my lazier homemade meals. And it's really, really easy to drink AG1. All you do is take one of their metal scoops And it portions out the correct amount, you throw it in water, and you mix it around. And I tend to drink it in the morning with my coffee, which uh, always times out really well. Because that time that it takes to to brew the coffee and to let it cool to drinking temperature is when... I drink and ultimately finish my AG1. And again, this routine has me feeling energized and healthy in the morning. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five AG1 travel packs with your first purchase by going to drinkag1.com gill. That's drinkag1.com gill, gill with two L's. Check it out. Number four seed, Holger Runa's quarter, the all-important race to the U.S. Open number four seed, won by Holger Runa. If you know, you know. Top seeds are Holger Runa, Casper Rude, Francis Tiafo, Tommy Paul, Alejandro Divinovich Fukina, Adrian Manorino, Alexander Sasha Bublik, and Sebastian Korda. My dark horses here are Yuri Lehechka and Martan Fuchovic. My upset alert is Sebastian Korda. And my early popcorn is Sasha Bublik versus Dominic. Did you guys hear that? That was my alarm. All right, I'm already up. All right, what was I saying? Dark horses. Yuri Lehechka. He's 35 in the world. So he just missed the cutoff. This could be one of the last majors that in a while where he's not seated because he's a young uh, player who's on the rise. He's been great at majors this year: Australian Open quarterfinal, Wimbledon round of sixteen. Best so, best of five has seemingly elevated him, and he's had uh, he's going on a run here at Winston Salem. He's in the final there. That has not always been a good thing, but Lahetchka is at least a pretty physical guy, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's an offensive player, hits very big. If he's confident and he's not missing too much, he's going to be a problem. My other dark horse is Marton Fucevic, who plays quarter round one. Always is about 10% better at majors by win percentage than he is at regular best of three tour events. He has been also, though, much better at the Australian Open than the US Open, but that's because he's one in four in, in his career in five setters in New York, which feels kind of fluky to me. He's in an interesting section. His seeds are Rude and Tiafo. Both of them have struggled recently. And if that continues, I think you look at either Fucevic or Manorino. Those two are likely the ones to take advantage of that scenario. Upset alert is Sebastian Corda. His record in first matches in 2023 is six wins to five losses. Uh, He's beating himself uh, too often, which is something I've said for a while now. But since coming back from the wrist injury, there's just there's some matches where he doesn't have it. And he's making things easy on his opponent because he's donating a lot of bad errors. He did pick up some much needed momentum in Winston-Salem, but then he turned his ankle and withdrew. So now that's a concern. I will say this about Sebastian Korda, and this is actually a compliment to Korda, even though I, I put him on upset alert here with a tough first round draw against Martin Fucevic, especially. Kasparud hopes that this comes true. If you're Kasparud, you don't want to play Korda in the third round. Because if, if Sebi makes it through the first two rounds, and if he looks good especially, now you're looking at a real chance that he can, he can beat Casper in my opinion, but he's still upset alert of all the seeded players. He's still the guy who I would kind of look to as being vulnerable, uh, in the first couple of rounds. Early popcorn is Alexander Bublik versus Dominic Team in the first round. Can't say I'm all that confident in Team, who's playing his first hard court tennis since going 0 and two at the sunshine double, but Bublik hasn't won a match since Wimbledon which was his best career run at a major. I said at Wimbledon, he has my attention. Is is he turning a corner here? Is he ready to bring more focus? Is he ready to take things a little bit more seriously? Are things changing for Alexander Bublik? I don't know. We're trying to figure that out. So he's, he's an intriguing player to me. Again, he hasn't proven it since Wimbledon. This is going to be a first round match, ultimately, with a great environment, two very well-known players, nice contrasting styles, and contrasting personalities. And uh, it's definitely one that I think will be uh, a lot of fun to watch. Um, overall, this quarter is interesting. It's got seven, eight, nine, and 10 in my power rankings. It also has Gruskin's guys, who I didn't include, Davidovich Fakina and Francis Tiafo, which basically means none of the tier one or tier two players are here. And a lot of different outcomes seem very, very plausible. The one that I am going with is Tommy Paul defeating Caspar Root. Pretty simple reasoning here out of everybody in this quarter paul is the one who i feel the most confident in and even if that's a a relatively low bar for this quarter i think he'll take a ton of confidence from those alcaraz matches even the loss in cincy his physicality these days really stands up well the best of five he's a very level-headed competitor and as long as his forehand is firing he has all the goods he has the game to make deep runs at majors like he did at the Australian Open earlier this year, making the semis there. I think that Casper has a good enough draw to gain some confidence in the first couple rounds and play the best hardcourt tennis of his season in order to make the quarterfinal. Of all the guys who have kind of struggled coming in, and there have been a lot of them, you've heard me already say I think Medvedev has a bad draw. You've heard me say, I, I think Tsitsipas has a bad draw. You've heard me say, I say, I think Rublev has a bad draw. And all of these guys have, have struggled coming in. That's not the case for Rude, And I don't really think it's the case for Runa either. So I think of all the guys who kind of needed some relief and needed to pick up some more confidence, I think in this quarter, it's Rude and Runa who have of all of those that group of players? They have been just afforded the nice stroke of good fortune, and they've gotten very very manageable draws here. So I would look for both of them uh, as long as Runa is healthy to win some matches. Uh, another thing that that I want to say, if if Paul and Rude, if my prediction comes tr- true, and that's the quarterfinal, that's a, another big quarterfinal in Ash with the crowd behind Tommy Paul, and I can't help but think about how it could be similar to Tiafoe's win over Rublev last year in the quarterfinal, where you have a, a really, really raucous environment, a guy who's ready to embrace that and is pushed by that in Tommy Paul, someone with momentum and confidence at his back against Kasparud, who has has a lot of stress and a lot of pressure, of course, defending finalist points, and someone whose confidence has been fragile throughout the year. I just think that could be a difficult environment uh, for Casper to step into and a great environment for Tommy Paul uh, to pull off uh, a big victory, probably what would be the most rewarding victory of his career, similar to what Francis Tiafo had last year at this very tournament. Yeah, that quarter, you could see a lot of different things happening. I'm excited to see how this one plays out as well. Let's finish it up on Novak Djokovic's quarter before we get to the final weekend, of course. Top seeds are Novak, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Taylor Fritz, Felix Auger-Aliassime, Lorenzo Musetti, Francisco Cerundolo, Christopher Eubanks, and Laszlo Gera. My dark horses here are Alexi Popperin and Mackie McDonald. My upset alert is Stefanos Tsitsipas, and my early popcorn match is FAA versus Mackie in the first round. Uh, Let's start with Popperin. He is drawn to play a qualifier in the first round. And by the way, this is the quarter where I think uh, there are a ton of qualifiers. I think that there are, yeah, there are eight qualifiers in this quarter. As I always say, whenever I do these previews before, before qualifiers are placed, I, uh, it, it makes me a little uneasy because I, I feel like they could have an effect not as much as little masters 1000s where the qualifiers are a little bit higher quality but still it can be difficult to uh, figure things out when it comes to that. but as I was saying popperin uh, qualifier in the first round then TT pass or Uh great combo of serve, forehand, and movement in Popperin. That's what I like about his game. And he's coming off of two great events in a row. He won the title in Umag, and he made a quarterfinal in Cincinnati as a lucky loser, but he lost to Max Purcell, which is a pretty respectable loss in qualifying, given how well Purcell is playing. Uh, Conditions will be pretty important for Popperin. If it's too quick, he can get rushed. He's very susceptible to being rushed. Mackie McDonald is kind of the opposite, so I'm hedging my bets in a way here where uh, he loves it as quick as possible. McDonald's at a career-high 39 in the world. He won five main draw matches between Toronto and Cincinnati. He beat Andre Rublev in the former, and he kind of sort of beat Runa in the latter. He won the first set, and then Holger had to retire with the injury. But look, he's a confidence player, extremely offensive can be a lot to deal with in quick conditions when uh, when he's making his forehands. Upset alert is Stefanos Tsitsipas. I just look at uh, I look at his return of serve. It's going to be under a huge microscope in these fast U.S. Open conditions. First up will be Raonic. He's zero two versus Raonic with both matches coming in twenty twenty. He hasn't broken serve in three matches. His last three matches, he hasn't broken serve. And it's round its first round. I have it as Popper in second round. And then it's probably Eubanks or Alice in the third round. I mean, there's just bomber server after bomber server after bomber server coming his way. And huge servers against Tsitsipas early in majors, particularly the hardcourt majors, usually that has been trouble for Stefanos. So he's another one of these guys who comes in not only in bad form, but also getting a, a draw that presents him with the most challenging matchups stylistically possible. Early popcorn, by the way, I know I put it as FAA versus McDonald's. I mean, it should probably be Roundish Pass, Honestly, if I could only watch one, I think I would watch that one. But uh, I will talk about FAA and McDonald's, of course, as well. I'm I'm intrigued in that. I think it I think it'll probably be a close match. FAA has shown some good signs. Had a good win over Berrettini in Cincinnati. There's plenty of intrigue about his form, and McDonald, as I mentioned, is an in another in-form American. I think that'll be on probably Grandstand or maybe even Armstrong. And uh, that should be a good match. All right. Quarterfinal. In Novak Djokovic's quarter, I have Djokovic defeating Lorenzo Musetti. Yes. Novak has a comforting draw. I'll start with that. He is 11 and 2 against CT Pass on a what a nine yeah nine match maybe 10 I think it's 10 yeah 10 match winning streak against CT Pass he is 7 and 0 against Fritz so those are his two top seeds but he did lose a uh he did lose his last match against Musetti and I kind of have a weird feeling that it it's going to be Musetti here There's not a lot of great evidence for it. Sometimes you have to make a pick where you're not able to really back it up with stuff that's happened in the past, but you just have a feeling that something is about to kind of turn or something good is about to happen to a player. And that's kind of my feeling with Musetti, who's had a very consistent year. He's kind of winning a match or two every week, just hasn't really broken through with that big run. And I just feel like it's coming for him. It's about time for him to catch a break. And the U.S. Open is so often where that happens for young players. Also, the way I have the draw playing out, the only upset he would really need to pull off and route to the quarters would be Taylor Fritz, who, yes, he's 0-2 against. Yes, he has a tendency to be overpowered by big servers and big hitters. Uh, but he can throw a lot of variety Taylor's way, make a lot of balls, make Fritz come up with shots. Taylor has all the pressure at the U.S. Open, and he's been a little bit vulnerable recently, and he's been a little a little bit vulnerable, or honestly, a lot vulnerable, at the slams. He's got no top 20 wins since Monte Carlo. This would have to be his first top 20 win since Monte Carlo, if he were to get through. So... I don't see that as much of a stretch, and that's how I I have Musetti getting to the quarterfinals, who uh, would honestly probably be a more interesting match for Djokovic. I I won't I won't say than than Titi Pass, um, but uh, I think versus Fritz, I think Musetti is is a slightly more interesting match. Um. Obviously, I overall I I do think Novak should be. Should be really, really pleased with this. Uh, you know, Alexander Muller in the first round, Zapatra Marais in the second round, Laszlo Gera, in the third round, I have Mac- Mackie McDonald in the fourth round, and Musetti in the quarters. I it's it couldn't couldn't get much better for Novak. And with that, let us get to the final weekend. I'll start with the semis. I have Alcaraz defeating Herkoch in four, I have Djokovic defeating Paul in four. You know, I don't love how how similar this is to Canada. You know, Hurkacz and, and Tommy both had uh had some nice runs. I mean, Hurkacz lost a little bit earlier on to Alcaraz. Um, but yeah, Hurkacz and and Paul are are two players where I think both the draw played out well for them or worked out well for them and and they're confident they're, they're two guys who I look at their forehands for kind of, to kind of tell where they're at, and both of them have been hitting their forehands well. Um, so, you know, I have them making these nice semifinal runs. For Herkac, it would be his second. For Paul, it would be his first. Uh, but we've seen Alcaraz Herkac a couple times, and uh, it would be actually the third event in a row. And ultimately, Herkacz has has played Carlitos really, really well. But I think if Alcaraz can dial in his return, there's there's uh there's not much after that for Herkoch. Um Hubie ends up being in in quite a bit of trouble when when Alcaraz can get enough uh returns in play. So I think uh, you know, I'll talk more about Alcaraz in a moment. But uh Djokovic over Paul, uh, I put four sets. I don't know. Maybe, you know, Tommy can make some adjustments from the Australian Open. I mean it was it was very, very smooth sailing for Novak. This would be a rematch of the Australian Open semis. And uh, it would be hard to see it going another way. I think Tommy can can be a little bit underpowered from the back of the court against Novak when they, when they match up. And Djokovic tends to do a great job of keeping him away from the net. I think Tommy would be uh, really well suited to serve and volley next time and, and maybe return in charge if this match happened. It would require some really, really drastic adjustments. All right, let's get to the final. Uh, this is a final that everybody wants, everybody is hoping for. And look, the reality is there is coming into the tournament and anything can happen, but there is clearly a gap in the confidence and the number of questions that surround Djokovic and Alcaraz compared to everybody else, compared to... Your tier two, for example, which is, you know, Medvedev and Sinner. And I don't have either of them even getting to the semis. Let me reveal my final. I have Carlos Alcaraz defeating Novak Djokovic in five sets. And uh, responding to his loss in Cincinnati. Look, if you, like, let me start with the devil's advocate. If you want to say, look, Djokovic suffered a heat stroke for a set and a half against Alcaraz in Cincy and still beat him. That would be accurate. That would be accurate. That would be a very good argument. The reality of this matchup is and how close it's been is there's going to be a lot of really good arguments on both sides and it's just going to be a matter of which ones do you buy into. And here are the ones that I buy into. I think the trend with Alcaraz is that he learns extremely quickly and I think compared to Cincinnati, he will come in with better legs. He won't be as tired, uh better serve, better forehand both both of those were getting better and better, but they just weren't quite there. And you know I just think he he took a, a rest period after Wimbledon and 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 Hopman Cup actually and it just took him a while to get things going and we started to see him get there slowly. But man, it's not going to be, uh, I don't expect to see the same Alcaraz two weeks from now than what we saw two weeks ago in in Canada. Um, and if it were Novak, I'd say the same thing. It's just great players don't struggle generally for no reason for five weeks in a row. But it is typical for players to struggle uh, sometimes coming off of layoffs, especially after very, very physical portions of the season and big accomplishments like Alcaraz did. So uh, not only that, I think there were some really good mental lessons that Alcaraz l- has learned over the past two weeks, particularly when it comes to focusing and uh, which honestly had not been great in, in certain matches. You think about the 5-2 lead that he blew against Turkoc, uh when when he played him in, what was that, Since your Canada? They're blending in now. Uh, and, uh, and the lead he blew against Novak really good mental lessons there. And there are tactical adjustments for him to make against Djokovic. There are things for him to look at. There are some tactics that are working. There are some tactics that are working not quite as well. And I do think that there are change-ups for him to go to. So ultimately, you know, Carlitos wasn't patient enough or physical enough or focused enough. I just think he'll make a lot of corrections and I'm seeing enough winning plays where I feel like if he comes in with better mental and physical fitness that uh, that he will come through because if, when he's at his best, he is more explosive than any player, any player in the world. It's tight. It's five sets. You can make good arguments for Djokovic. Uh, there's certainly a path to victory for Novak, but uh, I see Alcaraz coming back and uh, repeating as as U.S. Open champion, all right. Content plan for the U.S. Open uh, first ten days. I will be live on site in New York. In the past couple of years, I haven't been able to do any content, but this year I am going to try to uh, just do a lot of short form stuff. Uh, follow me on TikTok. It is Gil Gross underscore I believe on TikTok. Um, so I will be uh, working with uh, with my editor Maggie, and we're going to be doing a lot of shorts and. TikToks for the first ten days. Then I'll be back breaking down the semifinals, uh, previewing the finals, and obviously your uh, regular post-major coverage will be coming your ways. Your way. Enjoy the U.S. Open, everybody. Hope hope you enjoyed this video. Don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile